0: Alright friends, welcome back. Another episode of the podcast. This is one of, I honestly think this is one of my favorite things to do on the podcast. Is just to talk to Noah, our producer, and kind of talk about uh, current events, what's going on, and really just shoot the shit. I mean, it's just nice to do that. So Noah, it's good to see you.
1: Thanks, man. This one's been a long time in the making with all of the Wi-Fi problems we had.
0: <laughs> well, whose Wi-Fi problems, Noah? Yeah,
1: yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we tried to film this episode last week, and my Wi-Fi kept dropping the call every like thirty seconds. So
0: uh, it, it happens. <laughs> you know, to be fair, my internet on, in my house we use we have to go through Xfinity. They're a pretty large provider. It's not that great. I, I even when I record interviews, it drops like in the middle. I have to edit edit that in post so it could be a pain but anyway the point is that it's good to have you on it's good to be with you again and to, to talk and friends of course this episode of the podcast brought to you of course by mad priest coffee one of our favorite coffee roasteries out of chattanooga tennessee uh, if you want to try out their coffee, go to their website, link in our bio, madpriestcoffee.com. Put in TNE20 in the promo code and get 20% off your order. Honestly, we say that every time because they are a sponsor of the show. They send me free coffee, which is great. But I love their branding. Their, their most recent like um, promotional video is hilarious. Uh, so I recommend going to their Instagram, madpriestcoffee, and checking it out. And if you like their stuff, buy, buy some coffee, support their, their company. They, they do great work. Um, so I wanted to make sure we said that. But you know no it's interesting it's been I feel like the way my mind works is I'll be doing my my normal new evangelical stuff and I'll be like oh write that down and talk about it with Noah <laughs> oh write that down and talk about it with Noah then I don't I don't write it down and then we get to the recording and it's like ah oh, right I know I had like some pretty big topics to talk about with Noah right. but today I did write the big ones down so we we awesome. do have a lot to get to today I feel like since we're recording on a Wednesday and I'm hoping we can get this podcast out well, probably not today because you said you said that, that, that you're recording a band today, but maybe tomorrow. Um, hopefully before the end of the week for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I do want I do want to bring some some levity to the audience out there. All right, I want to bring some some humor. And if you want the full context, I will just say right now you want to go to our Instagram channel and watch the video uh, that is titled "How Dare You." It has a picture <laughs> of Mark Driscoll in the thumbnail. Okay, that's what I'm sourcing this from. So, all right. I hope I hope audience out there you're listening closely cuz this is this is hilarious. So we all have come to know I wouldn't say love but we all have come to know and just recognize that Mark Driscoll is one of the people in this space is that we consistently critique and it's not For no reason, right? He has, there are good reasons why we critique Mark Driscoll. Most of the audience is aware of who Mark Driscoll is. If you don't know, long story short, he's one of, I would argue, one of the most abusive narcissistic pastors in my lifetime in the evangelical circles I grew up in, right? So maybe, maybe not the worst person ever to walk the face of the planet, but certainly by evangelical standards, he is kind of... He, he has gone down in infamy for kind of building this massive church, having a massive fall, and then rebuilding his own church despite 40 elders signing a statement saying he's not qualified to lead. And Christianity Today did a what was it, 10, 15-part series.
1: I think there's like 30 now. There's oh my god.
0: <laughs> they did a very long series documenting the, the fall and the abuse of Mark Driscoll. Okay, so he's a, he's not a great person. He he hung out with Elijah Schaefer, who is really a, a white supremacist, has said some crazy things. Again, you can go to our Instagram and see the content. We, 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 we do our best to show you that we're not making this stuff up. But he's all about, you know, this uh, critical theory, his doctrine of demons. He's that kind of person, <laughs> right? He, he, he's kind of he's kind of establishing himself. In those spaces. So anyway, so I say all this because Mark is known to be one of these like, oh, we have to fight cancel culture while he blocks anyone who he doesn't like. All right, you say the wrong comment, you even ask a question on his Instagram, bam, you're blocked. Like it's it's a joke, and it all came. Oh man, it it just it it just what just what has happened recently is such it's it's poetic justice. So Mark Driscoll. Posts a picture of himself, and it's like a a picture of him kind of like squinting, like um, looks like it looks like like, like he's crying or grunting, and okay. it, and, the t- and it says on the picture, caption this. So he's asking oh, no. people right to, <laughs> to, to poke some fun at Mark Driscoll, and the internet. What a bro, Oh my God, the internet did not disappoint. I'm seeing like <laughs> you know I should have this shows how professional we are. I should have show prepped this and had the picture ready to oh, go. Man. I can um, this um i'm gonna hold on let me find it do i have it here i know i do i want to share some of the comments that were going around um you know i don't think my iPhotos photos on my or my photos updated on my computer so i don't think i have it just yet but um oh, anyway people were just going to town i mean they were just roasting him it it, <laughs> it was actually i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go to the instagram site and find it i know uh yeah what i'm too curious about this all right hold on um what's the name of this site Okay, Plus, I, I
1: think at this point, getting blocked by people like Mark Driscoll or Nathan Finocchio is just a rite of passage in our space. So, <laughs> take it take yeah. it as a compliment, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was blocked eons ago. All <laughs> right, so here we go. So, so, so the caption is, uh, the, or, or on Mark's post. Uh, it says, uh, caption this, right? And so his his version of, like, like Mark's own version was, she's a 10, but she uses the message translation. Okay, very funny, Mark. So people in the comments, here's just a few. Um, he's a 10, but yells, who do you think you are when you're listening to Sticks and Stones? <laughs> when he's a, um, okay, caption this. When you sell the book you author to the church you pastor, make a ton of money, become a New York Times bestseller, and then realize you kind of committed a fraud to get there. <laughs> He's a 10, but has the nerve to give a sermon about toxic church people. <laughs> He's a 10, but dot, dot, dot. He's Mark Driscoll. <laughs> oh He's a 10, gosh. but emotionally abuses the church for profit. I mean, they just went to town, okay? It's so so Mark is blocking people left and right. And then um, Epic Christian Memes, a, a large memes account in our circles, just comments, be careful, Mark, what you wish for. He deletes that comment, like Mark deletes the comment and blocks Epic Christian memes, okay? (laughs) And this becomes a whole thing. And then Mark releases a video on his account like poking fun at Epic Christian memes, pretty much saying like you know um, I'm not on. He goes you know me Mark I'm not on the internet so I don't know what's going on, but I've been told abc uh, and E. And at one point he goes thanks Epic Christian memes for shouting us out because we grew by hundreds of followers. Dude, the, the guy's a liar. He grew by like all right his account went from sixty three sixty six thousand point three followers to sixty six thousand point four followers okay that that's his version of hundreds of followers so of course i made a reel unpacking this and just bringing to everyone's attention how like you know culture warrior william wallace hyper masculine mark driscoll has has the world's most fragile ego to the point where get ready he turned off the comments on the caption he did he turned off the comments the guy posts, captured <laughs> this, gets offended by the comments, and turns them off.
1: Which, I mean, like, if you're Mark Driscoll, what do you expect to be your comment section? I here, what do you, know? you
0: expect? And also, like, does it not show how fragile this dude's ego is? Mm-hmm. Like, this guy makes a living, real faith, strong man, <laughs> roar, 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 roar. Men should lead their wives. I'm a big strong man. I mean, I mean, and then this happens, and he turns off the comments because his little his little frail fragile ego (laughs) his his literal snowflake ego right i mean just got completely i I don't know i i guess he couldn't take it culture warrior mark i mean here's the headline i would write culture warrior mark driscoll surrenders to cancel culture
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome oh man
0: so you can go to our Instagram and see the actual reel. It's a little more organized than, than my rambling I just gave you all. But honestly, like it is so. It, Mark Driscoll, you have to wonder. A C A paid actor. I mean, I know Alex yeah. Jones, right? You know, he 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 got. Um, he was found liable for defamation, for saying sure. terrible things about, about, about Sandy Hook, right? And his big thing is that everything is a paid actor. But if there was a paid actor scenario in the world, I mean, maybe it's Mark Driscoll. Because the, the way he acts, it is larger than life. It is like a movie. It is crazy.
1: It's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> oh, my goodness. it <laughs>
0: So I, I wanted to start off. I wanted to kick us off, Noah, on on on, on, on that you know uh, note. Of That's just, good. We need
1: something positive in our lives
0: right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, he literally turned off his own comments. I it's mean, hilarious. dude,
1: just delete the
0: post. Then, like, why yeah. keep it up? Why keep up with a caption this post and turn off the comments? Like, He's... you are a. a that is a very dumb thing to do. That's all I'll say about that.
1: He's really meeting up to that standard of like unemotional masculinity right there. <laughs> taken down by a meme comment <laughs> that he asked for. <laughs> I ex- Exactly. Oh, oh these dude, these pastors,
0: man, like the Mark Driscoll's of the world. Not every pastor, everyone, okay, just so we're clear. But these, like Mark Driscoll types, these you know mega church types, they their egos are so fragile, man. They they can't take criticism. I've talked to other pastors like the Mark Driscoll type. They sure. will not engage. They will not respond. They won't answer my questions. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna drop his name yet because I'm still working on it. But there was a guy that posted about um. Again, a mega church pastor posted how parents should be really concerned about bringing their kids to see the Buzz Lightyear movie because it features two women, you know, a a married lesbian couple kissing in it. Which, by the way, I watched the movie. There is one, there is one like five second peck on the lips. Okay. If you're
1: a kid, you don't even notice that happens. It's like in the background of the scene.
0: (laughs) You know, you would think that, no, but my two year old, he's gay now. So it it worked. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. They got to him. (laughs) They got to him. But anyway, so he posts this thing. And I respond, like, pretty polite, but also, like, this is ridiculous. And we go back and forth, and the guy eventually deletes, he turns off comments, and his and his, um, mm. his reasoning was people weren't, like, they were saying mean things, like they were cursing in the comments, which is not true. He was just mad because right. I called him out, right? And then right. I ended up retweeting him again, and I said, "Dude, come on the podcast. Like, I will talk to you. I am willing to have a good faith dialogue to discuss our differences. Let's talk." He he finally goes, "Okay, email me." That was three weeks ago. I never heard back from him. Mm. I I called him out again on Twitter, saying, "Dude, are you going to respond to me?" And so far, it's, "Oh, uh, I was on vacation or I was away. I'll talk to my team to see the best steps forward." I'm like, "Of course you're going to do that. Of course sure. you're going to check with your team because it's all it's all just it's all fake." Like, Like these people are groomed to be a certain kind of celebrity personality, and they have teams making sure that they can never be touched or never be critiqued or never lose an argument. They always have to be right. And so it's just so frustrating to deal with this because these people have one-way streets. Sorry to rant, everyone, and Noah. Thank you for listening to me. But no, I'm just saying, fine. like, these pastors have one-way streets. They can tell you how to live your life. They can tell you what the, quote-unquote, truth of God's word is. They can tell you, you know, whether you should watch a Buzz Lightyear movie or not. But once you push back, once you call out, hey, maybe you're not right on this, they they shut down because they, they don't have any capacity for actual dialogue that that is give and take where it's like hey you know what maybe that's a great point maybe i should rethink this no that can't happen because in evangelical spaces evangelical leaders are taught that repentance is not a thing for them it is just lead 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 some more and then ignore the haters because they're always wrong and here we are that's how we get mark driscoll
1: yeah and you see a little bit of that too in the you watch the house documentary right oh did i You see this (laughs) kind of like Thing where people are sort of raised up to be this cultural icon, but then they're not really even given the tools to succeed pastorally in that role because they're sort of just taught the influencer marketing side of being a a spiritual guru. And so then there's just no room when you get called out. There's no room to even understand what's going on with the accountability
0: that's right. That's right. Because they view accountability as an attack. And listen, to be fair, when I first entered this like deconstruction space, you know, and some people called me out, it didn't feel good. I was sure. I felt embarrassed. I felt humiliated. But I had to change my attitude and go from, you know, um, I can't be held accountable to accountability and repentance is a gift to do better. Right. And that shifted how I viewed that for me. Like that's how I that's how I really went from like, ooh, I this feels uncomfortable to I'm not perfect at it, but I'm getting better at embracing right these moments where someone's like, Hey Tim, what you just said was A, B, C, D, and E. And instead of me going, Well, you're wrong, you know, you're dumb. I, I know better. It's well, what can I learn here? Because repentance lets me make maybe my um crookedness, right? Like like my participation in the crookedness of the world, it helps make that part of it maybe a little bit better. Right. So, yeah. so that, that's the difference here. But like you said, Noah, so well, these this celebrity pastor culture in particular, it's designed to to not have that because accountability is seen as, as a sign of weakness. Admitting wrongdoing is a sign of weakness. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so and, here we are.
1: Yeah, and, and even more than that, I think in the larger scheme of, of what we're kind of witnessing in the evangelical culture, and this is something I experience a lot in my personal relationships with friends and family and the conversations I have with them, is that there is ingrained in that into that culture such a fear of giving up any ground yes that there's sort of like this idea of defending the faith the uh, apologetical world has sort of trained us to believe that if we change our mind on anything it's somehow a a loss of of orthodoxy a loss of christ likeness even if it's the simplest thing like a, a movie whether or not we should watch it everything is like an end-all conversation you know everything uh, yes. is is sort of platformed as, you know, this most dramatic choice you have to make in your life to choose Jesus or choose Satan. And right. it it just right. it strips all of the nuance out. And I'm being really dramatic about that, but it strips so much of the nuance out of those conversations and the the possibility of accountability in those relationships and in those conversations.
0: Yes, especially because they're really based in hierarch- um, hierarchical structures, right? So the pastor is the top dog, sure. the pastor is the leader and 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 people at the top of that chain cannot be critiqued by people on the bottom of the chain because, right. I don't know, that's Marxism or something. You know, like like that's how <laughs> that's how they kind of get there, right? It's like, oh, sure. we can't talk about power structures because power structures, if we admit that they exist, which of course they do, then we have to admit that if we're at the top of that power structure, we could be part of the problem, right, right. of yeah. misogyny using our own power to actually commit harm. So so they can't they can't have even if they wanted to have a lens for that, they are incapable of having it because it would automatically start critiquing them because so many of them are at the top of the power food chain. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah, puts I mean,
1: them in a very vulnerable position. Exactly.
0: And I also think there's a connection here. And I think this is actually, I mean, if I was a pastor, I would say it's a beautiful segue, but you know, I'm not a pastor. Thank, <laughs> thank heavens. But this, there is a connection here to what we saw um, recently with the FBI uh, search warrant execution of Trump's residence. Are you aware of this, Noah, of what happened oh, yeah.
1: here? Yeah, I've okay. been following that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just just a kind of quick TLDR. Basically, what you need to know is that the FBI executed a search warrant at at, uh, President Trump's um, resort in Florida looking for potentially uh, classified documents that he had in his possession that he wasn't supposed to have. This is the first time I'm aware of. Uh, that a president has had a search warrant executed or a former president has had a search warrant executed. So it's certainly an unprecedented situation. But sure. of course, Trump is kind of, I don't know, an unprecedented president. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, you, right away, you saw the Christian nationalist, conservative evangelical machine really go right into full-on defense mode because again, they can't admit wrongdoing, right? So it, it, there is an overlap here of, well, we can never admit that we elected the most corrupt president in the, in the history of our country, who legitimately tried to overthrow our election process. So yeah. we'll do everything we can to either try and throw mud on like Hunter Biden, or or talk about sure. Hillary Clinton still, or we'll just we'll make up we'll make up an alternate reality where what you right. say happened, despite all the evidence, never happened. So for example, it also shows too how again I don't want to be too critical, you know, but when it comes to Christian nationalism, I'm going to be critical because of how dangerous I believe it is. Yeah. Um, so. You know, for example, Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Uh, You know, pro police, back the blue, law and order person. She tweets out when this all happened defund the FBI. (laughs) I swear to God, she says that. All right, a couple other tweets I picked up Tommy Lauren, who's another far-right, like commentator. If these snakes think the raid on Trump is going to somehow make this make his supporters turn against him, they are as stupid, all caps, as we thought. This is only going to cause the MAGA movement to dig in deeper. We see you, and we see how slimy and disgusting you are trying to weaponize the FBI. Uh, we have Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. The raid of Trump's resort is another escalation in the weaponization of federal agencies against the regime's political opponents. While people like Hunter Biden get treated with kid gloves. Now the regime is getting another 87,000 IRS agents to wield against its adversaries. Banana Republic. Mm hmm. And then we have, let's see, I got a couple other ones here. Uh, Steven Crowder, far right commentator. Tomorrow is war. Sleep well. Yikes. Oh my God. And then Rand Paul. The at FBI raid on President Trump was approved by Director Ray, who also claimed that the illegal uh, FISA warrants used to spy on Trump were constitutional. Today's raid is outrageous and unjust, but predictable. Now, oh, one more thing I got—I got to share. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, former um, what are they called? Press conference spokesperson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, She tweeted, yes, something like that. If you're not yet appalled by the total abuse of power from Democrats in Washington, you're not paying attention. Also, what, uh, oh, I don't have the tweet. Uh, but in 2016 uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said something to the effect of if the FBI is raiding you then you're probably you're probably guilty of doing something meaning like <laughs> you're probably on the wrong side of all this right yeah now. yeah and then my my final thing I'll share uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene sh- she tweeted an upside down American flag which is like the sign for distress wow. and dude I saw someone retweet it and they said so when's marjorie taylor going to start kneeling at for the anthem <laughs> I mean that that is just <laughs> watching their response, right? I mean, listen, I, I want to be clear about something. First off, I'm not. We're not a news source, so I recommend reading, you know, actual legitimate news sources. Um, you can read Sharon says so. You can read. Is it Moshe's? Is, is that his name? M- M- Mosh That's on sounds, Instagram. Sounds right. I gotta find his account so I don't yeah. mispronounce it. I, I already did. And then of course, you know, other other. You know, there's New York Times. There's a bunch of them. A bunch of other ones that, that, that you can look into. Yeah, M- Mosh. M O S H E H. So you can go to his account as well. Um, etc. But I say all this because it's just it's a very unprecedented time to see what's happening in the response. Like, yes, we understand that the FBI executing a search warrant um, is unprecedented for a former president. But again, Trump is not a typical president. Sure. And I think we have to also acknowledge here um, that, uh, you know, I lost my train of thought on where I was going with this.
1: Well, they they did actually catch him with stolen confidential documents, right? If I remember correctly,
0: I don't know all the details and I don't want to I don't want to say something that isn't fully the case. Right. Sure. But I do. I'll put it this way for for a judge to sign off on a search warrant, especially of the former president and an FBI director who was appointed by Donald Trump to sign off on that something has to be up right and this whole idea of like oh this is biden's fbi not really like just because biden's the president doesn't mean that somehow it's necessarily his fbi especially considering that the director of the fbi is a trump appointee but this is what we what i well I should back up. I didn't expect expect the pushback to be this blatant, but it just is like there's no principle here. Like, what is the principle? Are you for law law and order, or are you against it? Are you for funding the police, or are you against the funding of the police? Like, it it just seems like depending on the situation, as long as it benefits them, they're for those things. But once the "no one's above the law" applies to their uh, you know, um, autocrat, right? Trump, right? Sure. Uh, oh, oh, too far. This is, this is, this is political <laughs> warfare. Like what? It, it, it is, it's bonkers to me. Well,
1: I, th- I think that what we can really take away from this event is that Trump truly is the most persecuted president in all of history.
0: <laughs> Amen. Amen, brother. <laughs> but it's, I will it's hold a vigil for him.
1: It's, it's absolutely bizarre. Because again, it's like you said, the, it's the same people with the thin blue line sticker on the back of their truck, you know? That are that protested the the Black Lives Matter movement for suggesting that we should defund the police. Right. That are raiding the Capitol building. That are assaulting police officers. That are calling out to defund the FBI. It's so selective, you know. There's there's yeah. no rhyme or reason to it. It's just a like a, a defense of my own personal beliefs above anything else, and everything should bow to that.
0: it it, it just continues to reinforce for me anyway. That, that in particular, the people in, in political power who espouse these views are really concerned about power and control and not yeah. integrity, not principle, right. not even conservative values. I mean, I remember sure. when, like, you know, con- the Conservative Party was the party that stood for fiscal responsibility, whatever it was, right? Yeah. And it just seems like more and more it's not about any of that, it's about maintaining power and control. In a very authoritarian way. I mean, that's what it comes down yeah. to, to. To the point where, where where this you know search warrant happens, and the response by sitting politicians is prepare for war, right? Yeah. Is defund the FBI? It's like what? Where? I mean, I don't know. Listen, I, I don't want to rant too much about this because we, we talk about Christian nationalism very often. We cover a lot in our in our in our stories and in our our um, our podcast interviews, but. It, it, I'm I'm still trying to solve that Rubik's Cube of like what motivates MTG, right? Marjorie Taylor Greene? Yeah. Like like how in her head, how does she reconcile these inconsistencies? I just want to know. Like, forget yeah. how I think about it or, or how I view it. I just want to know how in her mind she rationalizes speaking at Nick Fuentes' um you know um action committee uh, who's who, he's a blatant anti-semitic white supremacist Sure uh, she spoke there and then defended it right and then she claims to be a, a Jesus follower but 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 then she's like saying things that are, that are not Christ like at all and her her and her political viewpoints don't line up at all with the Sermon on the Mount i just don't understand that's all and that's yeah. More than anything, that's what frustrates me. I mean, people frustrate me when they say stupid stuff about Christian nationalism, right? Like, you know, America should be a Christian nation. But if I understand why they believe that, I'm not as like, I'm not I'm not like bending my mind as much to try and figure it out, right? right? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's kind of like for, for myself, it, a lot of my attitude towards this whole thing has shifted from like the initial shock and anger to just like a weird twisted fascination almost of like where is this even how did we what in the? you know because even even growing up you know we've talked about this before but you know i grew up homeschooled i grew up in a very conservative home but even even in that we were taught you know that well there's this certain you know fringe segment of uh conservative christianity which suggests that america needs to be a christian nation they believe that all the founding fathers were you know uh like hardcore Christians, all this, and and that America is like the new Israel. And I was taught that that was like a, this kind of fringe segment and that it was dangerous, you know? And for now that to be twisted around to be the the mainstream and to be accepted is just... You know, I keep using the word bizarre, but I just don't have a better word for it. It's just like, what in the hell? You know, that, that, <laughs> how that's did our, we get
0: here? That's our limited homeschooled vocabulary speaking. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like, like, <laughs> like, like what I'm feeling in my head, I don't have words to accurately describe. And it's also interesting because, like, with our in my interview with Samuel Perry, you know, it's not like 85% of evangelicals are Marjorie Taylor Green, right? Right. About sure. 20% are, but they're incredibly powerful. And the other, like, 35 or 40% of white evangelicals accommodate it like meaning right. they don't see it as a threat they're right? not doing
1: anything to distance themselves from it right so like in one way it is
0: fringe but in another way it's a very it's a very powerful fringe that's well-funded that got for example roby way over uh Roe sure. v. Wade overturned but also it is accommodated by by another third of evangelicals who say well it's not that big of a deal. Because right. deep it's, down it's, it's like, palatable oh. in that culture. exactly. And so it is like, I I mean, you know, even before New Evangelicals, I was podcasting about this, just saying a lot of the same things where it's, I just don't know how you read the Sermon on the Mount. And then you say, oh yeah, Christian nationalism. Yeah. Like clearly we need more guns in the country. We need less healthcare. Uh, you know, um, Democrats are, 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 are just destroying everything. Like we're, this, <laughs> this comes from somewhere else. It's not coming from the gospel accounts. It's not even coming from many thoughts
1: in the Christian tradition. Sure. but it's coming
0: from somewhere, and, and it, it's it's a very weird combination. But uh, anyway, I can I, mean, I can go know.
1: down my historical rant for hours yeah, about right, Constantine right. and all of that. But you the know, poor
0: audience is like Tim. <laughs> oh my God, Tim, shut up! Like we've heard this already. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thank you for listening. But anyway, <laughs> I I just wanted to draw attention to to the connection between. Because I was thinking about this, right? Like, I don't get it. Why this defense of Trump? Well, again, Mm -hmm. what did evangelicalism teach them? never surrender never admit wrongdoing you can never be held accountable because accountability means you were wrong if you were wrong and it means you weren't standing on absolute truth yeah you're not standing on absolute truth that means what were you believing in the first place oh my god what is my faith right it's all rooted in this belief of i have an objective view of the world and no one else does so they can't admit that they were wrong because it would go against their perception that they're standing on objective truth
1: sure which kind of leads into this other conversation and we've talked about this before about come on how good am i getting how good you know? am i getting at those yeah, yeah.
0: transitions
1: <laughs> it's so smooth i knew exactly where you were going with that none of this is scripted but i was like i know where we're heading here <laughs> wink wink <laughs> yeah yeah the, uh, which is that where we kind of end up taking that right this idea of defending the faith protecting it from the the evil secular godless world around us having a perfect answer you know grounded in absolute truth for every question to establish that that we have all the right answers for everything and uh, you posted a real what it was a couple days a week ago responding to Alyssa Childers and Frank Turek
0: yeah that I thought yeah. was really
1: interesting to this conversation I don't are we able to share that audio oh, here how uh, yeah. how feasible is that
0: I could do that you will, if you if you can stall I, I can do
1: that so I can stall <laughs> all right what am I gonna stall about well I, I think that I would still love, and I know we talked about this ad nauseum and, and you've done made a lot of efforts to make this happen, but I have so much interest in having a conversation with Alyssa Childers about oh. some of these things because I've consumed her content obsessively for a couple years now. Again, similarly to the Christian nationalism conversation with a kind of like weird, twisted fascination of like, how did we get here? Like, why is this sort of where we're grounding things and, and no, placing totally. our flag now? Totally, And so I, I think that... And it's continued to develop, too. For anyone that's in the audience that's read her book, uh, Another Gospel, uh, something, Progressive Christianity title, I've read it three, four times now. I keep reading it again because I keep trying to understand it. And I keep coming away frustrated because I feel like it it continues to give these very stock answers to everything. It doesn't actually say anything of substance. And that's kind of where this video is going to go that we are going to chat about here. And I'm Looking for things to stall about. I'm ready. I'm uh, ready. All right, let's do it. I'm going <laughs> to so, stop babbling. So here's the video. Here
0: we go. Listen up. You winsomely and convincingly address professing Christians who belittle apologetics. I run into this all the time, Frank, in progressive Christianity and deconstruction.
1: Number two, uh, why don't we keep this plan up where we lose 75% of our kids as soon as they leave the home by not equipping them? with evidence by not equipping them with the truth. I mean, the Hi.
0: deconstructing maybe progressive Christian here. I don't know. I just want to try and help you out. <laughs> have you ever considered that maybe the reason you're losing 75% of young people is because your dogmatic apologetics and theology does not make room for other people's lived experience in reality. And so when young people indoctrinated in your apologetic actually experience the real world, they can't reconcile the two and have to find better answers than the one you gave them. And have you ever considered that maybe the reason it's so hard for people like me to take you seriously is because you speak at places like Charlie Kirk's Pastor Summit? Charlie Kirk is a propagandist who does not believe in reality, yet I'm supposed to take you seriously about your objective truth claims. It makes no sense. That's why so many of us have walked away. There There you go. There we go. There it is. There you have it. (laughs) Now that, that was taken, if you go to Alyssa Childers, Um, Instagram, you can see the full clip. It's about a three-minute clip with her and Dr. Frank Turek. And the reason why I picked that clip is because of two things. Number one, like I said in the video, Dr. Frank Turek is a leading apologist who's also speaking at Charlie Kirk's Pastor Summit, which actually starts today as of this recording. Oh, wow. Um, And we've covered Charlie Kirk at length, and I'm not going to go through it again, but he is a a blatant propagandist, I would argue, fascist at this point uh, in his thinking. So it's like, okay, wait, you're telling me that you make a living defending— you know, uh, the Christian faith and and grounding it in objective reality. Yet, like, okay, speaking at Charlie Kirk's Pastor Summit, I mean, how, how do these things work for you? And the other reason why I wanted to pick it up is because Um, you know, listen, I have talked to Elisa Childers privately. We talked for almost two hours because her and Tim Barnett are writing a book on deconstruction and they reached out to say, could we talk to you? I said, I would absolutely love to talk to you. I'm totally open to dialogue. And at the end of it, it, first off, let me just say full transparency. The conversation went really well. We had a really great dialogue. Um, and at the end of it, you know, Elisa was like, Hey, maybe we can talk more on the podcast. I said, that would be great. And I said, I'll wait to hear from you. Um, a month later, Tim Barnett takes one of my tweets and he like he he has this account called Red Pen Logic. He red pen logics it. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of annoying because we talked already, but whatever. And then uh, since then, I have not heard from Elisa. Like it's been uh, when did we? Vi- Maybe seven months now, eight months. That was around almost. Christmas
1: time or something, wasn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, around like January ish. So I haven't heard from her since. And so she she is so passionate about like exposing the quote unquote false gospel of progressive Christianity while Christian nationalism runs amok in her spaces. I mean, she's sure. like I said, she's hosting Dr. Frank Turek, who's speaking at Charlie <laughs> Kirk's propaganda machine for pastors. So I, I just find this whole apologetics lane becoming more and more. Um, uncredible for me as I see who they platform, who they hang with, and also what they're espousing.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the the thing that was so interesting to me. And I I went and watched that whole clip last night too. And how quickly Frank goes to this idea of, well, people are leaving. So many of the youth are leaving because we just haven't given them the right answers. We haven't hit them with the right fact, which is going to change their life. And I just... You know, again, as someone, I'll share my experience as someone that was homeschooled that spent so much time digesting these apologetics ministries work, you know, totally. Rabbi Zacharias, yes. Sean McDowell, yeah. um, Lee Strobel, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, everybody in this field, R.C. Sproul, I was reading all of those books I was watching, Ken Ham, all the documentaries, all the DVDs, all the talks, the debates, everything, and none of that was effective in stopping me from reprocessing my faith and and you know, rediscovering it in a completely different context. You know, those were actually some of the things that encouraged me to do that because I thought that these, you know, uh, objective answers were so unsatisfying that as soon as I stepped out into the world around me and started building relationships with people that didn't look exactly like me, those answers just fell flat on their face. They didn't actually explain anything about the world I was experiencing. Exactly.
0: No, I mean, you're completely on the money. I very much like, you know, I've read the Ravi Zacharias books. I listened to his podcast every day. Was it called Just Thinking or something like that? Something um, like that. I, I I read Case for Christ. I I knew who Sean McDowell was. I would watch debates. Um and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I just think and I listen. I don't think Frank's like a bad guy. I don't think that he's like oh, sure. you know, I don't think he has bad intentions. But uh, he can't see the forest from the trees. Like Frank, many of us are not leaving. Because you did not give us the right answers, we got your answers loud and clear. Like we we, yeah. we had them, okay. But like you said, Noah, when we met a gay person. And it turns out they weren't this crazy, horrible, evil—you know, like um, sexual, sexually right. abusive pervert. Yeah. They were just a normal human being trying to live in the world and love people. You go, wait a second, that doesn't—that doesn't compute with what Something's I was taught wrong here. About, about, about about the queer community, right? Yeah. Or when you meet an atheist and like they're nice and they're right. moral and they love their kids, <laughs> right? And it turns out they love them more than what you've seen some people in your church how they love right. their kids, you right? See,
1: you see more morality from the atheist than right. Some of pastors you know or something but, but, like that
0: but what have you been told well atheists have no true moral grounding it's impossible atheists right. or whatever it's like it doesn't it doesn't work and then what they'll do is they'll say well experience is you know it isn't always truth and right. i would say Listen, the heart is deceitful
1: above all things tim
0: right and, and t- i understand the spirit behind that right sure because sometimes if we live in certain bubbles Right, where where our perception is reality, it might not reflect the the broader reality. I understand that, but that's why you need experience and data. (laughs) That's why you need both, and experience plays a big role. And then when you find out that it turns out, you know, many atheists are have whatever whatever some of the stats might be. You know, they're just as loving. Their divorce rates are the same as Christians. You start thinking like, well. Okay, my experience and now some of my data is telling me that morally, there really isn't a massive difference between the two. Even though I was taught that there is like a night and day difference between the moral Christian and the godless atheist. I'm, sure. I'm using this as as an example, um, you know, just to, to to draw attention to how the apologetics industry fed me a lot of stuff that ultimately yeah. I found not really a valid. It, it, the answer did not hold up over time.
1: Right. And I think what's interesting about that too is when you when I went back and because I pressed on that really hard, when I kind of went out and started having those experiences, I went back to those apologetic sources and I was like, well, what about this? Yeah. And what I saw consistently again and again, you know, even if the question was like, hey, what if our theology is maybe we're reading this verse wrong because it's obviously causing harm to so many people to interpret it this way and if and if Jesus, you know, says he comes to to give us full and abundant life, you know right. that, that maybe we're doing something wrong maybe the fruit of this tree is bad and we need to reconsider the way we're reading this right the the response that i got from so many people in that apologetic community with those kind of questions was well it's it's not my opinion I, we can't change it it's it's god's right. objective word to us and, right. and and the the association wasn't even just the text itself but my my interpretation is objectively the way god meant for this verse to be read there's no ground room for questioning that Right. And it was, um, I learned this term a little while ago, I saw it on Facebook, I thought it was so perfectly put as a, a thought-terminating cliche, as something where we say where it just shuts down a conversation, because there's not enough logic to it to even continue that conversation. You're not being fed enough to to, to press any deeper. Mm. And and that's been kind of my experience of this phrase that, well, it's not my opinion, Tim, it's, it's God's word. You know, if it causes harm, you know, I don't know what to do about that, because this is just how we're supposed to be, you know, and... And I think that that's my frustration with, you know, much of the apologetics world is that we kind of end up landing at that grounding point. Yeah. And there's there's just, it feels like there's nowhere to go from there. If you're not willing to even question, maybe I'm reading this wrong. I'm not even talking about the inerrancy, the inerrancy debate, just purely like maybe my biases are sinking in too deep and, and the way in which I'm choosing to interpret this is causing harm. And I should consider that. It's that accountability thing we yeah. talked about, but it's it's giving up too much. We're losing too much ground to just ask those questions.
0: Yes. So I, I didn't plan on, on on sharing this. It didn't really come to mind. But since we're talking about, it, I think we have a few minutes left before we have to maybe, you know, end the ep- uh, the episode. But okay, I'm gonna flesh out a current thought I'm still thinking through. So Go audience, you know, I just asked for a little bit of grace here. <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm kind of this is like a new thought I'm still wrestling through. Um, I've been thinking about how, um. We were kind of taught that like the Bible and how how God is portrayed in the Bible is a static reality that that is happening now. All right? Meaning like like, like you read the Bible and that's how God is, that's how he was, that's mm-hmm. how he will be. Period. Right? And so we use the Bible to determine how to uh, how God is working today in, in, in a very hypo uh, hypo hyper literalistic <laughs> way, right? So in, in in our culture audience, as you, I'm sure many of you have grown up like us, you realize that it's not just the Bible, it's a, it's a specific interpretation of the Bible, right? It's certain verses taken very literally. But that the sure. idea though is you know, God's the same, the same today, yesterday, and forever. So I've been thinking about this. I was talking, I, I, I've been talking to Trip Fuller a little bit about this. And I've been reading a book by Rabbi Mike Harvey called um, A Jew Speaks to Christians, which has been very helpful for me. And I also discovered, thanks to my friend Mason, um, this uh, theologian named Iliad Delio. Hope I said it correctly. And between the three different things I've been reading, I've, I've had some new thoughts that I'm working through. So these are not... New truths. These are just things I'm thinking through that, that that are subject are subject to change, but it seems like based on what we know about science and how the universe works, the universe is expanding and unfolding, and it's still in process, right? It's still moving out somewhere. And i been I was talking to Trip, and I was like, you know, even in the Bible, how God is portrayed evolves over time. Like how God sure. deals with Adam and Eve is different than how God deals with Abram. Which is different than how God deals with the Israelites, which is different than how He deals with Moses and giving them the law, which is different than how God, through in the, in the incarnation, works with His disciples, and then that's different than how the Holy Spirit, right, works at the Day of Pentecost, etc. There, even in the Bible, it shows some type of of expansion. Okay, I mean Tim Mackey talks about it like like God's blessing is expanding from first the Jew then to the Gentile. Sure, and I've been thinking about like how. I was taught that as long as we read the Bible, we'll have all the answers we need about God. And while I certainly believe that the Bible, despite its complicated history that we can can spend a lot of time on, I still think there's certainly quite a lot of wisdom about how God functions. And certainly it could be a a very helpful, um, you know, just text and collections of books for how humanity can function, etc. However— Sure. Iliad uh, I mispronounced her name. I'm so sorry. Uh, Iliad Delio. I just discovered her. She's she holds a PhD in science and in theology. Okay, and she talks about how how science can really inform. How we understand what God is, and I'm, I'm really going to butcher some of this, so forgive me, audience. But I recommend checking her out. She has a great talk you can get on an audiobook, um, and and, uh, and she does an interview with Pete Ends uh, from last year that maybe we can put in the show notes, Noah, to help them. Yeah, but essentially, awesome. what she says is that is that science can help us understand how God functions, and she says that 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 we really view God through the Newtonian lens. God is uh, is black and white; it's right or wrong. God will punish you or he'll bless you, et cetera. But she said, as we're discovering about how the universe works and how some of Newton's maybe theories were not correct, that can inform what actually is at the center of reality. And her whole concept is that quantum mechanics and physics can help us understand who and what God is. And and essentially what she says in this interview with with Pete and Jared is is that we've discovered that matter... Is like it's all interconnected, and she talks about what's called quantum entanglement. Now, listen, I am—I'm so—I'm so right so here. Love it. But the general <laughs> idea is that particles can be separated over long, big, vast. Uh, period uh, um, like uh, lengths of space and if one particle is touched the other one gets affected automatically they don't know how yet as as far as I know but for example if if in theory you reverse the spin of one particle in New Jersey that particle that is connected through quantum entanglement um, you know past the Milky Way galaxy will also start reversing its spin automatically Okay, this is crazy stuff. And she also talks about how they've done experiments and they realized that even someone observing particles being passed through, you know, um, um, slits. Like, uh-huh. Essentially, she talks about... Um, man, I'm so butchering this. I'm sorry. But <laughs> if, if you throw beams of light particles... <laughs> Okay, this is this Neither is of us were scientists You're in right. another life. <laughs> no, I, I'm literally trying to explain quantum mechanics um, based on a homeschool level education. I'm, I'm of no help to you here. <laughs> but my, my, my only point is that she says this, is that is that they've observed that if someone's observing how particles go through two pieces of like uh, space, mm-hmm. those particles behave differently if they're being observed. Right versus if they're not being observed which yeah. is mind-blowing to me yeah and so anyway she says all this on like and she talks about how how we understand this impacts how we understand god and how our view of god needs to continue to shift as we discover new things about how the universe functions and her yeah. point that blew my mind is that the universe is unfolding like a scroll and therefore what if god is unfolding like with us right like what Ooh. what what if this process and if everything's if everything's interconnected God is not matter right but God is in the matter and God right. is in us and like there's this whole consciousness thing that she that she talks about but anyway,
1: that's a beautiful thought
0: I, it is beautiful and then last thing that blew my mind an audience sit down for this one she talks about how because of that quantum entanglement I just discussed where you know if you reverse the spin on one piece of part on one particle here, a million light years later that that piece that's connected to it will reverse its spin she talks about how she kind of hints that like you know maybe that's why prayer can work the idea of mm-hmm. like of like how we alter our own bodies and our thoughts actually can change other things that are connected to those yep. thoughts and I was like holy moly because because I've always been someone who's like I don't want to be superstitious anymore right but like you sure. can't just all be logical and, and, and just like right. oh well there's no prayer it doesn't exist and yeah. this was like a mind-blowing moment of like what if the language that we have for prayer is us interacting with matter and time and right. space and actually affecting things because of how entangled we all are
1: together yeah oh my goodness I, so i just finished a book about this actually called the you power Did? of eight yeah i literally yesterday no and it was it was look fascinating look at there it's, it is yeah, exactly there's our god <laughs> moment of the podcast right there hashtag blessed well are but, you gonna yeah, tell, yeah,
0: yeah tell me something it's, it's,
1: help me it's um, well i'm still processing the whole thing too but it's that same thing that our, our observation of matter actually fundamentally changes it in some way and the the breadth of scientific studies that have confirmed this and again i have i've I'm trying to be so cautious with even how I voice this because I'm still learning about it. I'm still thinking through how I even feel about it. Right. But conceptually, I think it's it is such a beautiful way to process the idea of God. And even that idea that well, you know, the argument is, well, God doesn't change, God doesn't change. But what if you know but God is is objectively bigger than any concept we can attach to God. So God right. continuing to reveal, to unfold for us, logically seems inevitable in some way. Yes. And, um, you know, even the, you know, I saw this um, meme and I'm not going to knock him because it's one of my favorite meme pages, but um, it was somebody saying, you know, I, I wish God would speak to me. And then somebody was pointing at a Bible. It was like, ha ha, gotcha. Man. I know a like, page you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love them, so I'm not going to call right. them out. But, yeah. but I saw this and I was like, guys, because, you know, even like the Bible, the you know, there's this, this promise where Jesus says, after I, after I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come and lead you into all truth. And I think that that's such a mysterious thing and beautiful idea that there's a continual unfolding of knowledge of God being revealed through relationship, yes. and so I I think we just to, just to kind of drive it home from like even a, a biblical you know perspective that way or not a, even though I don't even like using that language anymore right but to say like that that's like should be something fundamental to what all Christians hope and believe is that there's this unfolding knowledge of God that's being revealed through relationship. And I love that how yes. we can just go kind of to see the the scientific glue maybe behind that yes. and kind of peek behind the curtain to see there's something fundamental about the way the universe is functioning, which kind of maybe shows us this, you know?
0: Yes. And and maybe just a final thought. Yeah. I think what that means for me right now in my own journey of faith, right? Because I'm, I'm in process with all of you yeah. out there just kind of working through my own faith tradition and what do I do going forward. That really helps me put the Bible in a really healthy place. Where it's like, okay, you know, maybe the divine really spoke this way in this right. moment for these people and maybe there's some real wisdom here right there's some ancient wisdom that is worth really thinking about and then what do we do with that in our cultural moment right because we're not living uh in the first century right or second century yeah. we're living in 2022 and we have different challenges so it's this weird tension of i think we can use the past to inform our future and also use science as we know it now and as it continues to discover more things to help us understand and what is actually happening right and what that does for me is it turns my mentality from one of fear of do i know the objective truth about god right. to almost like a well the divine is holding my hand and i'm kind of exploring this with with god right yeah. like I, I the universe is so big and so complicated and so mysterious and there's something kind of beautiful about that explorer hat as opposed to the hard hat to protect me from 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 the wrong thing falling on my head right, right? and yeah. and that has shifted my whole posture towards god the bible the christian tradition jesus because it's i'm realizing like I think personally at this point, it is a fool's errand to look at the Bible and say, well, the one that we have now is God's objective words, quote unquote, right. to us. It, that, that argument fell apart a long time ago, but I sure. didn't know what to replace it with, right? right? And now as I'm discovering some of the, you know, the trip four or, um, you know, uh, oh, man, uh, oh my God, I'm going to butcher her name again, Iliad Delio and, <laughs> and others. I mean, there's many others out there, yeah. but they're helping me kind of reconcile some of these thoughts and thinking about God in in different and new ways, which, by the way, is normal. Okay, God was thought about in a new way when the Holy Spirit dropped at Pentecost. So this right. idea that, that we can't continue to, uh, to uncover as the universe expands and unfolds, it doesn't help anyone, right? So anyway, it's a very freeing thought, but that I hope I explained something decently to the audience because I know I kind of bumbled <laughs> so much. But that's just kind of where I'm at right now, thinking through those things. I don't have any places I've landed. I'm certainly not going to teach this stuff anytime soon, but I'm certainly just thinking about like, how God interacts now and how science can help inform that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. And, and maybe to wrap that up on, on my end, I think that the way that I've kind of conceptualized that, you know, the, 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 tradition that I grew up with in evangelicalism, the emphasis was on, you have to, to know and believe the right set of objective facts before you die to turn out. Okay. Yes. You know, that was sort of, and that's where that anxiety came from. Cause what if I believe the wrong facts? Yes. And this thing that you're presenting and that, you know, I've kind of been coming around to as well is this, this beautiful idea of what if the goal is just relationship? Right, you know, and to to walk through that journey of learning and growing e- eternally, you know, right. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, C.S. Lewis's work, and he describes kind of this coming to the other side, however you want to interpret that, and the 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 way that one of the characters voices it is further up and further in that it's a mm. never ending journey into deeper experience and a relationship with yeah. something or someone. Right, and the center and of that glue is love. Right. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. that's the whole centering framework of the whole universe that holds yeah. and binds everything together, which is. Again, First Corinthians, if you want to get all, yeah, right. biblical with it. But right, right, there's, yeah, there's wisdom
0: and, there for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so I think that that's a really beautiful way to move forward, and you know, something that makes me really excited and gives me a lot of peace too about my spiritual journey, Dude, even when same. I have hella questions, man. Yeah, I don't it, know shit.
0: The questions <laughs> make me excited now instead of scaring me. Yeah, I'm like yeah. ooh, new questions to think about, right? right? So. Anyway, I mean, listen again. Two homeschooled people trying to unpack quantum <laughs> mechanics and and, and I, I guess we we call it process theology in some way. So sure. certainly, friends, don't take our word for it. Please look up the sources that we gave you. Don't as, cite
1: us in your academic yeah, paper oh about God, quantum please, physics. No. <laughs> God no.
0: <laughs> I'm just 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 you know I'm honestly with you Noah. Just processing some thoughts out yeah. loud. But, um, you know, okay, anyway, so we covered a lot today. I, I don't want to belabor our, our time here. Last thing I'll mention, uh, and then we're going to wrap up, is we are going to Trip Fuller's Beer Camp, speaking mm-hmm. of, uh, God Pod Yeah, Please come. Awesome. Yeah, you can get tickets in our show notes. Uh, if you type in TNE, you get 50 bucks off of our show note. Uh, off our show note, wow, I am just, woo, I'm We're selling to get... show notes now. Yes, All we're, right. s- we're selling our show notes, yeah. You want the uh, link? You got to <laughs> pay up, buddy. <laughs> Uh, you you get 50 bucks off your ticket. Uh, So make sure you do that. Type in TNE in the checkout. You know, Noah, the thought that we have right now that I'm not, listen, I don't know how many people who listen to this actually engage with us a whole lot, but we're debating, because we live in, you're in Pennsylvania, I'm in New Jersey. We have to go south of North Carolina to go to beer camp. And the debate we're having right now is do we road trip down and meet some people along the way from the community, or do we just grab a flight and call it a day? I mean, pro to flights is that I think overall it'd be a little bit cheaper. It'd be way less time. Um, but but pros to road tripping is it's road tripping, uh, right. and also we could meet some cool people from the community, which could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah. So I don't know. I'm
1: torn. Yeah, I, I have no idea how to answer that question. We've been going back and forth on this for weeks, honestly, trying to figure <laughs> it out. But you pitched the idea the other day of like, well, what if we met some people from the community and nothing would make me more excited? So
0: uh, Same. I, I honestly, like every time I travel, anytime, I always try and put a call out on Instagram. Like, hey, I'm going to be in the area. Anyone anyone want to meet up? I, I'm a very relational person. I love meeting people, especially people who engage with us. So anytime to make that, to have an excuse to do that, I'm in. I mean, well... So here's, I guess, our first call. Anyone out there, uh, yeah. if we're going to pass through, I guess we're going to pass through Virginia, going to pass yeah. through Delaware, Maryland, etc., to get down to North Carolina, let us know. Um, it's We're going to be in Chapel Hill in North Carolina. That's where the beer pod thing is happening. So you can send us an email um, or DM us or something. But if you're in the area and it's on the way, it might be worth yeah. it. So let us know for sure. Look
1: up, somebody MapQuest our route and figure out what <laughs> highway we're going to be on and yeah, Set exactly.
0: It up. <laughs> uh, well, no, I got to say this podcast went better than every time we talk. I'm like, well, I guess we'll start here and see where it goes. And before you know, we're talking about quantum mechanics. So. <laughs> exactly.
1: Not where I expected my morning to go, but no, I'm same. okay with it.
0: <laughs> well, you have to record a band for work. I have I some other stuff to handle on my end. So we'll, we'll cut this one off here. But Noah, as always, a great time. And um, audience, thanks for listening. Thanks for following. If you want to support our work, you can donate, link in the show notes or on Instagram. And of course, you can share this episode and give us a rating and review. We'll talk to you all next time. Goodbye.
1: See ya.